Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. So here's what's happened leading up to Joshua 1. If you remember, um, God has promised many, many, many years earlier that there would be a land that he would give to his people. If you remember when um, Abraham and his nephew are sitting there, he and Lot, are, they've gotten so big that they can't even you know, split up the, uh, the land. They can't, the land won't sustain them. And so he says, choose what you want to do. And Lot says, well, I'm going to choose this way. And he goes over there to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham goes this way. And God, in the midst of all this stuff with Abraham, promises a couple things. Okay, that he's going to be um, a father to many people. Basically, his, um, his bloodline is going to go out and actually God, through that, is going to create a, a, a large nation or a great nation. It wasn't so large, although at that time it may have been, uh, but it was going to create a great nation. And through that, through his seed, it said they were going to, he was going to bless the world. And he also promises that there would be a land that they would inherit. And so we go through that, and a couple hundred years later now, we have Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers because his brothers didn't like the fact that God had poured his blessing on him, and his father could see that and was kind of giving him a little bit extra favor maybe. He got a coat of many colors. There's, you know, He got some, some special treatment, and his brother said, let's kill him. And he has one brother that intervenes and said, let's not kill him because he's my buddy. But there's some uh, slave traders over there. Let's just actually make it seem like we killed him. And then we'll sell him to, to them. And our father will think he's dead, but he actually won't be. And his blood won't be on our hands. And so that's what they did. He goes into, he goes into Egypt. He's sold into slavery into Egypt. And he actually, through God's favor, rises up through the ranks in Egypt and actually becomes second in charge. And God gives him the wisdom through some dreams and through some prophecy and said, hey, there is a famine coming and you need to be wise about that. And so he actually said, we're having such plentiful harvest right now that we're going to store away some of what we harvest for a time when there's not enough. And that time comes. And now what's happening? Joseph's family is starving to death and they need food. And so his dad says, we, I hear there's food in Egypt. And he sends his brothers and says, go and see what happens. And Joseph instantly recognizes his brothers, right? That's what scripture tells us. In fact, he has to get out of there and he goes and he weeps because his, he, he asks his brothers about himself. There's a couple of trips back and forth and he asks his brother about himself. They're telling this. He begins to weep. Then he reveals himself to us, brings the family in. Right to save them, brings them actually into Egypt. And from there, we get to the place where Israel so is now in Egypt, and they're growing. And there's some pharaohs down the line who don't like how big they're getting and how powerful they're getting, so they actually enslave them. And so now, they're, they, they were invited in originally, and now they're enslaved in, in Egypt, but they continue to grow. And so for a couple, for about 400 years, they're now here in Egypt and they're enslaved. Generations have now come and gone. Joseph's no longer the picture. 
Pharaoh's mean and God does what? He calls Moses out and says, you're actually going to lead this people. He calls Moses, who actually was born uh, Jewish, but raised in royalty in Egypt, right? And he killed a man. And there's a whole story behind that. You can go read that. And so he flees and he, mar- and he goes and lives in his father-in-law's house and just works for a long time. And God calls him, remember the burning bush? You may have heard about that if you don't remember. There was a burning bush that wasn't consumed. And God speaks to Moses through that and says, you're actually going to go back and you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. And it's going to be you. And what does Moses do? There's a bush on fire that's not burning to ashes. And God is speaking him through the bush. And Moses decides it's now a good time to argue with God. That would be the wrong time to argue with God, actually. Uh, and he says, I don't speak well. I don't do these things well. I can't do it. God, in his grace and mercy, doesn't just burn Moses. He could have just consumed Moses right then. That's probably what I would have done if I had been God. I'd be like, fine, I'll find somebody else. But he didn't. And so he gives them a helper. And so they go and they help who will speak for him. And so they go and they help through this whole the ten plagues. You remember the whole thing. Moses keeps speaking to Pharaoh. Pharaoh keeps promising one thing and turning his back. And then there's another plague. And then finally, the firstborn, Moses relents, lets them go. And then he actually he says, well, we're actually going to wipe you out anyway. And so he tries to chase them down. They can't. They cross over the Red Sea on dry land, right? And God's the sea swallows up the, the pursuing army. And now they're on the precipice of going into this land. God has called them into, that God has promised them over now centuries and centuries. They have this land that was promised and they have not yet seen it fulfilled and they get close to it pretty quickly. And what does Moses do? He makes a fatal mistake. Instead of just believing that God's given this land, he said, well, why don't we send some spies out? Well, let's, let's get an idea of what we're getting into. That would have been Friar. I'd like to know what I'm getting myself into, if it is all possible. So let's go and see what happens. Since 12 spies out, 10 of them come back and said, this is impossible. There are huge people there. Yes, it's as great as God made it out to be. It's land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it's awesome. But the people there are too big. They're warriors. We're never going to be able to take them. Two guys say, we got God on our side. We can do it. They hedge that a little bit. Moses hems and hauls, and God says, you're not going to make it in. For 40 years, you're going to wander in the wilderness. So they've been wandering. They've been going around. The nations even know. Like, what's, what's, what's leading God's people? Do you remember? The pillar, right? You've got a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So wherever they go, this is leading them, right? They're being led by God. That's going to come up into play in this over the coming months. And they get right on the edge. And if you read the last chapter of the Exodus, God walks Moses up on top of a mountain to look over at all this beautiful land and says, you've led us this far, but this is as far as you get. Joshua's actually going to lead the people in uh, and he dies there and they mourn him 
And uh, so actually we're going to read about that part. That's where we pick up. So that's what's happened. That is what's going on. So Joshua is the story about God's people finally getting a taste of what has been promised them for all this time. But the reason that all that is important um, is because they stopped short and didn't get what God originally promised because they doubted, they didn't trust, they didn't lean on God, they didn't go in. Joshua is actually a story of the exact opposite. They're just going to trust God and just go. And we do that very often as believers. Uh, we should be progressing on a spiritual journey. However, many times we stop short in receiving what God wants for us um, because of disobedience, unfaithfulness. But God is always faithful. So even because of Moses' uh, lack of faith and disobedience, God was still faithful to his ultimate promise. And this is the story of that. So here are these words. We're going to read the whole, whole chapter. It's only 18 verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the deserts of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite countries and the Mediterranean Sea uh, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was, now remember, let's remember that scripture. If you want to remember, there'll be a couple things that stand out in Joshua 1. But God promises no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, we actually get to see in chapter 3 how he was with Joshua just like he was with Moses. I will never, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything that was written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. God has just laid out for Joshua the, the key to success for his life. I have, not commanded, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. If you haven't figured out, that's one of the other things that you'll remember from Joshua 1. Be strong and courageous. Right, Reed? <laughs> so Joshua ordered, uh, excuse me, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Remember there was these, these two and a half tribes that basically said, The promised land looks good, but it's going to take some effort. Can we just settle right here? Could this just be our land? And Moses threw... The words of God said, yes, you can. So he's reminding them of that. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in that land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. 
But all your fighting men get ready for battle. They must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. And then they answered Joshua, Whatever you've commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. God had to remind Joshua a number of times through his own his own words to Joshua, but then also these two and a half tribes, they actually spoke that back to Joshua as well. They were being a little prophetic to Joshua. They were said at the very end, only be strong and courageous. We'll do whatever you say. We'll be just as faithful you only you be strong and courageous. God's reminding Joshua through this because what he's about to be asked to do is not easy. <clears throat> this is a good time for us as a church to hear these words. Because what's happening in the landscape of uh, Christianity in the U.S. is something that none of us have ever seen uh, and are likely not comfortable with. At least I'm not. And it's going to take us being, listening to the things that God gives Joshua here. Because God gives Joshua a plan. And that same plan can be used by all believers and following God and obeying God and trusting God and leaning in God. And so let's get into that. Uh, our stopping short of getting what God has for us may be us holding on to some sin or refusing to follow God's direction on certain matters. Sometimes it's us thinking we know better than God. Uh, and it's not so much... You hear, we, we hear that, that sounds a little condemning. I get that. But sometimes it's not like we hear God speak and say, well, we know better than you, so we're not going to listen to you. Sometimes it's just we don't listen to God. We feel like we have a good plan first. That's often Friar. Friar has to be reminded. If these were, if this was, if this book was called Friar, and these were people, God reminding Friar and people speaking to Friar about certain things, it would be stop and slow down. It wouldn't be strong and courageous to be stop, stop slow down, and listen to me, because my my uh, uh, mo is to just kind of go forward and think, hey, I got a great idea. Let's just do it instead of stopping and listening to what God has. So how do we move from where we are to where God wants us to be when we're looking at the book of Joshua? Because the people of Israel give us some clues. And the first thing that we see in chapter 2, I mean, excuse me, in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. The first thing that we have to do is to receive the challenge that God has given us. <clears throat> After Moses died, God challenged Joshua to possess the land. Now, can you imagine that kind of challenge? Because Joshua is at this point the successor to, like, the best leader they've had to this point, right? I mean, this guy led them out of Egypt. This wasn't just everything's good and they can go where they want to go and so we're going to lead you into here. This was... This guy actually went to an oppressive country that was bigger than them, 
and saw him and his faithfulness to lead them out. And yet he couldn't lead them into this place. Can you imagine like how intimidating that is? Think of uh, a great sports coach, right? Bill Belichick just lost the game last night. And I don't, well, I can say this because Will's not here tonight. I was, I mean, this morning I was super thankful they lost that game. But Bill Belichick is a great American football coach. He's been fantastic. Can you imagine whenever he retires, being the successor to that, you have to walk in to this office in Boston and say, now I'm leading this great organization and your plan is to actually be better than the guy that just came before you to actually do something he never did. That'd be a bit intimidating. Your boss would come in and say, okay, your job now is to win eight Super Bowls instead of six. And if you don't, you're, you're done for what an unbelievable challenge. He, the guy who was the best ever couldn't do it. And now you're looking at me? That's what God is doing to Joshua right now. He's saying, you're going to be the one to do what actually I didn't do through Moses. And so, so it's to receive the challenge. This was not a decision to accept very lightly because it was not going to be easy. Uh, since Joshua had been with the Israelite people, he knew their weaknesses. He knew their tendency was to follow God when things went bad and then when things were going good, just to kind of walk away. He knew that that was actually why they didn't get into the, the promised land under Moses. Because only two out of 12 even thought, we can do this. God's going to be on our side. And so it's to receive the challenge. But here's the interesting thing about the challenge. The challenge was, it was a challenge to take something that was wild and chaotic what you may not know, or you may if you remember, but if you haven't read yet ahead in Joshua 3, we learn that the time that God calls them across, to cross over this river and to possess the land was the time when the water was at its highest. It wasn't when it was at its lowest. It was going to be the easiest just to get on a cross. God actually speaks to Joshua and said, now's the time he, and if you heard what Joshua told people, we're leaving in three days. Like, we're going to go in three days. It wasn't, hey, we're going to wait six months to the better season when everything's is good, and we're going to go across. He said, we're going across now. So get everybody ready. It was, a, a, it was to receive a challenge of this just wild kind of untamed river, and we're going to cross it. Every one of us faces challenges in our life that we have no control over whatsoever. And God's calling us out at certain points to say, you do this now. And it seems impossible because of those situations. The river's too high. They said, it's not the right time. Give me four months. I'll be much better. It'll be a lot better to go. It'll be a lot easier to go. And God's saying, go now. And so to accept that challenge, God often reveals his power best. I read this uh, from, a, from a, um, a pastor who was actually talking about Joshua 3. But God often reveals his power best in times of seemingly great challenge. It's almost similar to the words that Paul spoke a lot of years later saying, uh, my weakness, your power is made great in my weakness because I can't do this right now. And actually, they really couldn't. They would have likely been swept away. But we're going to see in chapter 3 how God comes in. And also, they accepted a challenge of the unknown. There were some things they didn't know. What they did know was that the river was crazy. And now wasn't the right time to do it. But God had called them, so here we go. 
What they don't know is what's on the other side of that river. Oftentimes, for us to receive a challenge, we have to go in. Because remember, God promised when he, when they went out, when, they, when he said, you're going to be wandering this wilderness for 40 years. Why did he say 40 years? He told them 40 years for this generation to die off. So there's a whole new generation of people about to cross over who don't know. They don't know what's about to happen. They don't know what's on the other side. It's all unknown. What does it look like to display the kingdom of God to the people of a city or of a region or in a country that is now changing, religiously speaking? The spiritual climate in the U.S. is rapidly changing, not slowly, rapidly. What's that look like? We We don't know. All we can do is trust God and be faithful to God. We've got to be led by God. That's what God did first. He led them here. He gave them a command to go, and they were just freaking their weakness. So the second thing that actually helped them to receive that challenge was they recognized God's commitment to them and to what he had called them to. In verse 5, it says this, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with... Um, uh, quit reading too quickly. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. They recognized that God was committed to them. Joshua could accept the challenge as a leader. He could accept a challenge because he knew what? That God was going to be with him. And he knew that God's presence with them came really in three unique ways. It came in power. In verse 5, God reminded Joshua that no one will be able to stand against him. Didn't make sense. There were some big countries. There were some little countries. Some were bigger than them and some were much little, smaller than them. So the smaller ones, it makes sense. Okay, yeah, I got it, God. Nobody's going to be able to stand against us. We're bigger than them anyway, so it doesn't really matter. There were some big ones. But God promised nobody's going to be able to stand against you for your entire life. He understood that God's promise was a promise that came with power. It also came with a personal presence. God said that I'm going to be with you. Not the angels or principalities, but God himself. We literally just celebrated Advent, which was the fulfillment of that promise in real time. But we see God fulfilling it in supernatural ways, even in Joshua. God was personally present with them. There were times God did some crazy things, and we're going to read about them as they fought these battles and as they possessed this land. I'll give you a little hint. Just like the Red Sea, the river dries up enough for them to walk across. The sun stands still. Things happen that weren't natural because God was with them. We just celebrated Advent, which was a reminder that God not only is with us, but he came here personally to us in the form of Jesus to take on what we couldn't take on to do for us what we could not do for ourselves and we get to walk in that power and in that personal presence of God and the last thing that we get from verse 5 was what? that it was a permanent presence God didn't say I'm going to be with you as long as you're faithful God said I'm going to be with you all the days of your life no one's going to be able to stand against you because I'm going to be with you. In verse 7, 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. God gave Joshua a plan for success. He said, remember all the laws of Moses. And for them at the time, that was all that God had given. There was no scripture yet. There was just the law that God had given through Moses. That was their scripture. God said, remember that. Don't turn from it to the right or left. And you're going to be successful all the days of your life. The last way that we're going to talk about today. That God, these people were able to receive his challenge and move forward was because they respected the commands of God. God told Joshua that he was to obey God, or excuse me, obey the law of God. And even though Moses was gone, the law was still there. And it gave them a very specific set of instructions. We read scripture and it does the same thing for us. Oftentimes, however, and the Israelites did the same thing. And we read actually later on about them doing that. And that actually is the story of all the Old Testament and all the New Testament is God's people being called to himself, being given the keys to success is actually reminds us of John 5. If you ever, if you read that, it reminds me, it may not remind you, it reminds me of John 15. Where Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. God said, here's a way to be successful. If you don't do it, it's not going to work out. And actually we see that realized by a guy uh, whose name was Achan a little bit later in Joshua who was unfaithful, and we see what happens to the Israelites because of one man's unfaithfulness. God's speaking to us all the time. Through Old Testament, New Testament, listen to my words, obey my words. Don't let, don't let anybody hijack God's words. I, I, I read yesterday that there was a political figure. You may have read it. I'm not going to name any names because it's not... Doesn't doesn't matter because I've heard political figures on all sides of political spectrums use this language. But he said, God is on our side. God is not on the side of a political party. God is on the side of a people that he has called to be his very own. Don't let people hijack that and lie to you and say this is the right way. God has given us the right way. It's right here. When God said, love your neighbor as yourself, and we rationalize a way to turn from the right or the left, and, you, and it's not successful? He told us. God told Joshua, this is what I want you to do. Do it. And you're going to be successful. We're going to get to the end of this book and see that chapter 1 was true. God didn't lie. And he, he never has and he never will. God is truth. And so God calls him to that. He says that you can't turn from right or left, that you have to obey and respect my words completely. Just as Israel was to obey the law, we are to implement all of God's words in our lives, not just the ones that make sense to us. Because there's a lot of scripture that makes no sense to me whatsoever. In fact, I've confessed this many, many times, um, but the love your enemy one is the one I struggle with probably more than anything else. That makes sense. God called us to a gospel that doesn't make sense. He sent, He came Himself to do something that I that was really I was supposed to do. 
He did it for me. So that when he now looks at me, he sees perfection of the life of Jesus and not the ugliness. It's like the song we sang. Foul to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. I'm disgusting. But God has made me clean. That is the hope and the beauty and the grace and the mercy and the goodness of the gospel. That's what people need to hear. And he said, respect my words consistently. He told them not to vary from the law, to obey the entire law, and to do so every day. Not just on Sundays, or not just five days a week. Five days a week would be great, but every day. Never turn from it to the right or the left. For the Israelites getting to where God wanted them facing their challenges with the promised presence of God and doing exactly as God directed them to do. And we see in short order, so in a couple weeks we'll actually see what happens when they don't do what God asks them to do. Nothing has changed today. We are still the requirements. uh, That is still the requirements for Christians who want to move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Is accept the challenge to experience the presence of God. He's with us and respect His word. And quite honestly, we need to continually hear God's word, be strong and courageous. Because whether we're talking about a church, whether we're talking about a nation, or whether we're talking about our individual lives, there are enough things that don't make sense or that are scary enough that we need to keep those words on our lips all the time. Be strong and courageous. Because God's going to do it for us. Cross the river. Go into this land. Be strong and courageous. Doesn't make sense. The river's too high. We get to read about that story in a couple weeks. So as we open up Scripture... And read through Joshua. I would love it if you guys would read this with me each week. God actually sat James in Joshua for a period of months. Um, But it has so much to speak to us. This thing that happened thousands of years ago, God choosing to speak to us today. God's word does not fail. And so whatever it is that we're facing whether it's a surgery that keeps getting delayed, that seems crazy, right? Whether it's like our brother Perry who's suffering from a stroke and kind of some brain loss and some other physical things, whether it's just a job issue or a family issue, or just being willing to open up your life to someone else and you don't want to and it's kind of scary, hear the words that God is speaking through the scripture today. Be strong and courageous. Because God is going to do it. All we have to do is lean on Him. Trust in Him. (laughs) The beautiful thing is we don't have to do anything. That's where it talks about freedom comes from God. Is that we can just lean on Him to do it. And that involves like just going when He tells us to go. Stopping when He tells us to stop. Being willing to trust Him when it seems what He's calling us to is crazy. Being obedient to His words that He's already given us. And so this morning, we get to come to a table uh, that reminds us each week of the fact that God has already done the battle of it, has won the ultimate battle, the battle over death, the 
battle over our sin that we could not do, God has done. And if we can believe that, then we can trust him for whatever. Everything else is small compared to that. We can trust God for any of that stuff. So this morning we have to come to the table to remember that and to hear these words as you take the bread and the juice. Hear the words this morning and be strong and courageous. Let's pray. God, thank you so much as you spoke to Joshua thousands of years ago that you're using those words to speak to us today. God, as we take as we take communion this morning, would you remind us of the words that you spoke to Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Help us to be strong and courageous. Help us to first hear your words. And then be strong and courageous to move in whatever it is that you've asked us to do. God, we love you. We thank you. We trust in you. To be for us what we can't be for ourselves. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.